0: Should we just pray as we look at God's word together? Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can look at your word. Thank you, Lord, we can worship you, we can pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can bring big situations to, all, to you, like floods in Colombia, Lord, and negotiations across Europe. And Father God, we know that in all these situations, even when we don't understand what's going on, we know, that, Lord, that you are still king. Lord, you are working your purposes out. You are the one who brings justice to the nations. Lord, your kingdom is coming. It will have no end. Lord, you are bringing something bigger and better than our best attempts. Father, we pray that you would speak to us now as we look at these verses from Isaiah 42, that you would just draw us, Lord, into a a place of deeper faith, a deeper deliverance, deeper satisfaction in you. And we pray for your spirit to work in us now. Lord, take the words that I might say, and Lord, use them for your glory, Lord. Change them in mid-air, if necessary, Lord, Father, that people and all of us would hear what needs to be heard this morning. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A farmer went uh, to his banker and he announced to the banker that he had some good news and some bad news. He said to him, uh, what do you want first? Um, For the record, you should always take the bad news first um, because then the good news will make you feel better. Anyway, the banker said, I'll have the bad news first. He said, what is it? And the farmer said, well, the bad news is this. I can no longer make my mortgage payments. And that loan that I've been taking out for the last 10 years, I can't pay that off either. And not only that... I won't be able to pay you back the couple of hundred thousand pounds that I borrowed that's outstanding on the tractors and the other equipment that I've got. So I'm going to have to turn over the farm to you and hope that you can salvage out of it whatever you can. Silence descended, obviously, and the banker tried to make sense of this terrible news. And then he thought, hang on a minute, what's the good news? So he said to the man, what on earth is the good news? And the farmer replied, well, the good news is that I've decided to keep banking with you. That was a rumble, wasn't it? was it that bad? <laughs> like one person finds it funny, the person next to them thinks, well, oh, i better laugh out of politeness. <laughs> what is good news? What makes news good? What turns news into good news? Is it when someone tells you you can have what you want? Is that good news? You can finally have that thing that you're after? Is good news when someone tells you you can do something that you like doing? You can finally do it? Is good news news that simply uh, gives us a warm feeling in our hearts? Hands up here, actually... Who celebrates um, every Saturday? Do you celebrate Saturday? It is, do you know what Saturday is known as? Saturday is known officially as Cat-a-day. Does anyone celebrate Cat-a-day? Wow. I don't know what to say about any of you. What does that say about you if you don't celebrate Cat-a-day? If you're a social media fanatic, which I'm not, of course, every Saturday people post pictures of cats doing a variety of odd things to cheer the world up. And if you feel depressed on a Saturday, you can log on to Cataday and be. You, oh, anyway, move on. Let's change the subject very quickly. That went down really badly. Um, never mind. So, what makes news good? Let's carry on what we were doing before. Um, we live in a very strange times, don't we? Where news comes at us from all directions, and actually, we're not really sure what's real and what we can trust. Uh, Donald Trump coined a phrase I think he coined the phrase anyway in 2016 and the phrase was fake news and it's taken on isn't it like wildfire fake news if someone says something you don't like you just accuse them of promoting fake news well it's fake news Andrea says to me you haven't cleaned the bathroom I say it's fake news that's not true that's news designed with an ulterior motive of making you look bad fake news I always clean the bathroom anyway moving on from there People are confused, aren't they? They're desperate for the truth. They're desperate for good news. And they're often confused what's real and what's fake. It was actually uh, April Fool's Day yesterday. Did anybody get caught out? Daphne and Barry, bless you. Um, so, if you're, if you're on Facebook like I am, um, you'd have been aware that yesterday was the one day of the year where people uh, bombard the internet with lies. The rest of the year, we're very truthful, aren't we, on the internet? And um, people post all sorts of strange articles, allegedly from the BBC and places like that, designed to trick people up. And uh, yesterday, Jennifer Rossiter, who used to be at this church, uh, Catherine's back with her as her, her sister, which is good. She said hello to you. Sorry, Catherine. Welcome back. Welcome um, back. And she posted something I thought was very true yesterday. She said, April Fool's Day is the only day of the year when people fact-check what's on the internet. The rest of the year, we just take it all as gospel truth. And uh, so lots of people post things that are funny, designed to trip people up. And yesterday, I thought I'd get in on the act. And uh, my friend, who I went to Bible college with, his wife, posted an article from the BBC website, allegedly, that said all under-13s were going to be banned from the internet as of yesterday. That was the clue, yesterday. So I reposted it, thinking, ha-ha. Quite a few people commented. I got the old wink emoji from a few. You know you're doing well if you get a wink emoji, by the way. If you get the crying emoji with tears, then that's like a jackpot. I only give those away to special people. Um, most people get a thumbs up if you're lucky. No one gets a heart. That's just inappropriate. So uh, I got a few of those until and it all got very awkward. Went about halfway down, lots of posts, ha-ha-ha, nearly got me. A woman who I have no idea who she was, Um, wrote quite a lengthy post about the dangers of the internet and how this is a really good thing and what a great thing to do about time too. And it's been silence ever since on that particular thread because all of us are thinking this is very awkward because you've missed it. But fake news, real news. It's really interesting that 2,000 years ago when Jesus interacted with Pilate just before his crucifixion, Pilate would ask him this question, what is truth? Truth. And people still ask that question today. What is real? What is true? What should I put my trust in? In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and truth. The life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is good news, not fake news. It's true because it's true. That's what makes it good. Jesus rescued us from our sin and from the grave, and he rose again on the third day. And in our passage today, that read by Maureen earlier on, spoken to God's people in the Old Testament, the Jews, the Israelites, was good news. It was news of salvation. It was news of coming deliverance news that they were going to be restored from their place of pain and isn't that what everybody is craving in our world isn't everybody craving deliverance from guilt isn't everybody craving release from sin from hurt from pain etc 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 on the 5th of august 2010 33 Chilean miners were trapped underground in a failed mine shaft that collapsed around them for 69 days They would be trapped underground. The world watched with bated breath on the edge of their seats, thinking, are these men going to die? Are they going to live? When they come out, will they be injured? What state will they be in? Well, thanks to some amazing engineering and the grace of God, their story has become a metaphor as all 33 were saved from what would be certain death otherwise. The lost had become found. Those that were dead were now living. The imprisoned were literally rescued. But one miner said something very interesting. Not once he'd been rescued, but whilst he was still in the ground. He said this there are actually 34 of us here because God has never left us. What an amazing thing to write. We like saying that when we're free. I praise the Lord when I'm free, but we're called to praise God when we're trapped in faith, that we will be free, that God will move in our lives. This morning, God is there, let me tell you. God is in your pain. God is in your prison. God is in our fears. He will not leave you. Psalm 23, verse 4, says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. We don't write words of triumph from a place of safety. We write words of triumph from a place of pain because our God is a God of victory and strength. So our passage, which I'll read to you again in a moment, comes from Isaiah chapter 42, the second half of the book of Isaiah. The first half, God, amongst other things, talks about the day of the Lord, a day that's coming when Jerusalem is going to be at the center of his kingdom, when he's going to bring his kingdom to earth and do great things through his people. By the second half of this book, Isaiah, the tone changes completely. God's chosen people, Israel, through their own disobedience, have turned their backs on God And as a result of that, have been taken off into exile by a group called the Babylonians. Babylonians. And uh, Jerusalem has been attacked, it's been destroyed. They're now captured, they're now enslaved, they're now miserable. And so chapter 42 of Isaiah verses 1 to 9 is written as good news, delivered to a people who have been defeated, who have been captured, who have failed, and who are now lost I wonder how many of us feel like that this morning. Maybe this morning you feel lost. Maybe you're wondering what the point of your life actually is. Maybe you've reached the top of the fake uh, mountain of career that says get to the top and you have it all and then you get to the top and you think, is that it? Maybe you've got everything you ever wanted and you think, what is the point? Or maybe you're getting towards the end of your life and you're thinking, I feel lost. What was I supposed to have achieved? I haven't got any time left. Maybe you feel... um, trapped maybe you feel like um you're trapped in, in a particular sin or a habit that you just can't seem to break i want to stop but i can't maybe you feel trapped in a particular emotion that keeps dragging you down or something that happened to you in the past like a giant one of those giant fish hooks um you know in the, in your back and every time you take a few steps forward it just seems to kind of pull you back every single time and you feel trapped or maybe you just feel like you're a failure Maybe you feel like you've failed your family or your friends or yourself. And maybe you feel like you've failed God. And that's what these emotions are, isn't it? When the good news for the Israelites from Isaiah 42 was that God had not forgotten them and that salvation was coming. And that is our good news as well this morning. Not just today, but every single morning. One of my favorite parts and lots of people's favorite passages in the book of Lamentations chapter 3 It goes from verse 22. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How brilliant. Every morning, the compassion and the love of God is brand new. You can't outlast the compassion of God. I say to myself, verse 24, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This morning, maybe you simply need to hear that God has not forgotten you. That God is not as far away as you might think he is. In fact, he's a lot closer than you'll ever realize. That he is still on the throne above all things. That he is still king of kings. That salvation is coming, is coming possible it may not however be the salvation you expect often we tell god what we want but god does what he wants and faith is trusting god's ways above our own so let's read isaiah 42 verse 1 to 9 again if you've got it in the bible in front of you that would be good to refer to it a few times it says here is my servant whom i uphold my chosen one in whom i delight I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope This is what the God, the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. You imagine if you've been dragged off from your home. Imagine if you've been defeated, that you were in despair. Imagine that you'd caused all of this by your conscious, deliberate actions. Imagine feeling locked inside a prison of your own making and one that you could not escape from. And then God says, verse 1 Here is my servant, my chosen one. I will put my spirit on him. And then being told that he is coming and he is going to deliver you. What great news to those exiled people that God's servant would rescue them and bring justice to them. Who is this servant? Well, I know what you're going to say, but hang on. Um, In the short term, this servant is actually the Persian king, Cyrus, who would go on to defeat the Babylonian Empire and would allow the Jews to return to Jerusalem, rebuild their walls, rebuild their temples through the likes of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. But like with so much Old Testament prophecy, there's a short-term meaning, but there's also a larger long-term messianic meaning. It was pointing forward, these verses, not just to an earthly king, but to a heavenly king. You see, Jesus would stand in a synagogue hundreds of years later and read the same passage in front of an astonished crowd of Jews and say the following, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. At his baptism, the gospel writers would allude to verse one as the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Jesus is this servant. He is the deliverer. He is the one that will judge the nations. Verse 7, he is the one that will open eyes that are blind. He is the one that has come to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Verse 6, he is the one who comes to bring salvation to all, a light for the Gentiles, those who are Jew and non-Jew, everybody on the planet. But we realize that the freedom Christ comes to bring at Easter is not without its personal cost. Verses 2 to 4 hints at the cross. He will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. The freedom Christ gave us came at huge personal cost as the king of kings allowed himself to be kicked and punched and spat at, being betrayed by his closest friends, abandoned at the cross, even though he committed no sin. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6-8 to eight, says this of our Saviour, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, the first three verses, says this, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, God the Father told Israel, here is my servant. But this morning, God the Father says to every single one of you, here is my servant. The only solution for brokenness is to follow and keep close to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14 tells us why. It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sin the heart of easter and our faith is the truth of deliverance we are not called to be a people who carry baggage we are not called to be a people who carry baggage we are not called to be a people who decorate the walls of our prison cells And we remain in them. We are not called to be people who are once saved and are now enslaved and chained again to our fears. We are not called to be enslaved by anything at all, ever again. We're not meant to live with darkness, guilt, and pain. We're meant to be a people of victory. We're meant to be a people who are strong, a people of strength, a people of freedom. We're meant to be a people of vision, seeing the coming kingdom of God and getting ready to meet our Savior face to face, living as if he's already here, people of victory and why does this matter this morning i tell you why because pardon is available deliverance is free salvation is a gift but we must take hold of it and take hold of all that god has given to us in christ and you might be sitting there this morning thinking yeah i get it that's the sort of thing we say every week but here's why i'm saying it again because i know far too many christians who live in a prison cell when the door is wide open And you don't have to stay in there. So we will say the same thing. We will talk about the cross and the resurrection and sin and forgiveness again and again and again and again and again until I die. Because there is nothing else that anyone can say to any of us. And it is heartbreaking when God's people have the way out but are in law or actually getting wallpaper for their cell. It doesn't matter how you decorate it. The door will always be open. Jesus is saying, come to me, I will give you rest. Don't live with the darkness. Let the light of Christ drive it out. In 1830, George Wilson, who you won't know, um, was convicted of robbing the US mail and sentenced to hanging. President Andrew Jackson issued an immediate pardon when he heard of this, but Wilson refused to accept it. Chief Justice Marshall Uh, who had no choice but to continue the execution as planned, said this. He said, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. Then he said, for some, the pardon comes too late. For others, the pardon is not accepted at all. Across our world, more and more people are in trouble stuck in their sin, stuck in their self-loathing, stuck in their fear. Christ came to earth 2,000 years ago, gave his life as a ransom for many. He paid the cost of release from our prison of sin. But we have to walk out the door and follow him. The good news this morning is that Jesus Christ died to give you freedom. The other news, which you can make good or bad, Is that you have to decide to follow it and follow him out of the prison cell. So we're going to pray now. I'm going to ask you just to shut your eyes where you are, not to do anything. But I want to just talk and give you a few things to pray for, all of us a few things to pray for. The first is around the word ask. I'm going to shut my eyes as well. Maybe this morning you're trapped in a prison cell, it might be something physical. It may be something emotional. It may even be something spiritual. We believe in the devil. We believe that his um, demons prowl around and he loves to whisper words of discouragement. And there are people that even those who have become children of the light have that, that hook still in them from the evil one. We want to pray for deliverance for you in that really real way. Maybe you're just feeling... Um, trapped in other ways it may be a physical thing like i say it may just be an emotional thing maybe something happened in the past you need to let go of maybe unforgiveness in your heart for someone that's hurt you you need to actually just say enough i'm going to forgive them so our first prayer is around the word ask i'm saying nothing but just where you sit and where i stand ask god for help next word is the word repent just as we stay with our eyes closed sometimes the prison cells we sit in are of our own making Um, not everything is other people's faults, sometimes it's because we've deliberately turned our backs on God maybe it is unforgiveness maybe it is bitterness, maybe it is guilt that you keep picking up maybe it's self pity, maybe it's all sorts of things and just in these few moments just say sorry Just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I confess my sin, I confess it, please forgive me. just as you pray those two those two words ask and then repent the third is simply believe because we have to believe that Jesus is powerful enough to bring us into freedom sometimes we remain in darkness because we don't we won't believe that we're free so just take that moment to say to yourself I'm free I am free Christ is overcome just say that in your mind the next word is change just in a moment ask God what do I need to change tomorrow sometimes we can go back to that same prison cell because we do the same activity is there somewhere I've got to stop being is there something I've got to move out of my house is there an activity that I've got to withdraw from is there something I've got to do so that I haven't got enough time to do the other thing whatever it might be Maybe it is that you do have to drop someone a message and just say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or something else. Just ask God, Lord, what do I need to change? finally you've got to stand stand in the truth stand in the truth of your freedom and your deliverance stand in the knowledge that when Jesus sets you free you are free indeed stand in the truth that when the spirit of the Lord is with you there is liberty that God the Father will never leave you or forsake you that you are his you must stand in that truth all the days of your life Father God we lift up the thoughts and the honesty that we've just shared with you individually. Father God, we say the same message, the message of the cross, the message of the empty tomb, the message of our salvation again and again, because Lord, the devil so often gets the hook out, sharpens it and pulls us back. Father God, you have called us into your light and your freedom. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us um, the boldness to stay there. Father God, for any that are trapped in really deep, dark prisons, that they would seek support from others in this church, that Lord, they would seek other help out there, But they will be honest about where they are. And Lord, you would bless them particularly, but bless all of us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.